1: Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Rahn on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter. And this is one of the most fun times of the year, right? This is the pre-free agency episode, and I'm going to tell you some of the things I've heard because, let's be honest, the free agency talk already started in Indianapolis at the Combine last week. That, that happened. We'll get to the process in a minute, but let me just give you a quick recap of of what we're going to go over here. well, I'll answer your questions later with the Giants after dark, but I'm going to tell you the position that the Giants might go big, and it's not wide receiver. It's not wide receiver. So you might be surprised, but the main position of focus, I believe, is on the defensive side of the ball. We'll talk about that in a bit. Not that they're not going to address wide receiver, and maybe supplement their receiving core in a different way other than just adding a wide receiver. So, We'll get to that in a second. Get to your Giants After Dark questions later on in this episode. But first, let's go through the process. Monday at noon, the negotiating window opens. That means agents can start talking to teams. They can actually reach agreements. You know, Wednesday at 4 p.m., that's when the new league year starts. That's when deals can finally be done, signed. But you're going to hear about a lot of deals the way it's gone in the last couple years before Wednesday. Wednesday, though, is when the. All hell breaks loose. The gates open. The floodgates open. And it's going to be a lot more fun this year because Joe Shane and Brian Dable have more money to work with. Last year, they were cleaning up Dave Gettleman's mess. So if you think about it, they're two big, and I say that with air quotes here, big signings where, remember, Daniel Jones had a neck injury, missed the final six games of the previous season. People seem to forget that at this point. Like that that didn't happen. But that did happen. Mike Lennon was the backup, and they needed a backup in the worst way, so they got Tyrod Taylor. Not a huge money signing, but for the Giants, with what they had to spend, that was a big signing. Mark Lewinsky was their other significant signing, a starting offensive lineman. Uh, not a high-end starter, but a starting offensive lineman. And We saw exactly that's what it turned out to be this year. Now they have some money to spend. And Joe Shane keeps mentioning defensive line depth, defensive line depth, Defensive line depth, like as if that's almost his top priority. We know weapons on offense is clearly up there as well. But that's not going to be the big the big money moves. The Giants, and Joe Shane has kind of hinted this. He plans to have, you know, a couple significant signings, you know, on the higher side signings each year kind of, uh, something like that and then supplement and, and that's really just supplements building the team from the draft now the giants have had nine picks in the draft added two supplemental picks they now have 11 picks that's a lot to work with a lot to work with and this is going to be a super young team anyway the baby blues you know that's that's basically what they're going to be i mean who are the older guys on this team they're not going they're not going to have anybody signed long term that's an older player I don't have anyone signed long-term right now as it is. It's going to be a really young team. So with that being said, like, the position I heard most of the Giants shopping near the top was inside linebacker, middle linebacker. That doesn't mean necessarily Bobby Wagner. I don't see them going in the Bobby Wagner route, right, a guy like Bobby Wagner. You're talking 30-plus years old, great player. I mean, Hall of Fame dynamite player. Still could play got released by the Rams, but that's not the move for the Giants. The Giants are trying to build something here, long-term, sustainable. So a move for them is to draft a guy that they think is going to be here for three years. It's going to help you know, build the team. He's going to be a leader on the defense. So they're going to be shopping near the top of that inside linebacker list. Now at the top of the list is Tremaine Edmonds, has a connection to them out of Buffalo. Now I think that's going to be a little too rich for their blood. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is going to get close to $15 million a year. Now, I think in a perfect world, yeah, they would love to get Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo. Inside linebacker, athletic guy, very talented, still young. But that probably is going to be a little too rich for them. The other name that I heard most prominently was TJ Edwards from the Eagles. 26 years old. If that price doesn't get crazy. Wouldn't be surprised to see the Giants very heavily in on T.J. Edwards. He's a, you know, a speed, rangy, you know, can cover. T.J. Edwards, a younger player, they could build around, put in that middle of the defense for the next two, three, four years. I could definitely see something like that happen. So to me, that might be their most realistic target at inside linebacker. Some other names I heard, I think, you know, they'll keep an eye on Jermaine Pratt from the Bengals, a really good player. He's a little uh, less versatile, I'd say, than TJ Edwards. Not as good in coverage, a little stiffer in that regard, but a really good player. Physical, and actually I heard um, good things about him personally, you know, uh, character-wise, like wants to win, emotional, but like, He's gonna work his butt off. Cole Holcomb from the from Washington, another name to keep. You know that that's in that range. Leighton Vander Esch, um, Drew Tranquil. If they have to like kind of maybe go down a little, a little bit on level if the price of those guys gets too high. So, from what you hear, the price of that you know Tremaine Edwards, you're talking like $14, fourteen, fifteen. Then you got Levante David and. Bobby Reiki from the Colts. You know, they're going to be in that, like, double-digit type range, right around that 10. And then the next level, which I think is where the Giants are probably going to shop, six to $8 million range for, like, the TJ Edwards, Cole Holcomb, Jermaine Pratt. I think that's what we're looking at. And they could get up to, you know, near that 10 range for some of those guys. I think if TJ Edwards gets 10, I don't think that's crazy. And I think the Giants are going to be in that mix. So, to me... That, if you look at it, might be one of their biggest signings of the offseason and something that happens relatively quickly. Now, what I'm going to do here is I took, I had, I had this little notebook, had in my back pocket in Indianapolis. And when I had conversations afterwards, I would just jot down notes in it. So I'm basically just going to unload it right now. Uh, I started with the inside linebacker group, defensive line depth. Again, something that Joe Shane has talked about. Over and over and over again, the Giants aren't going to shop at the top of that list. Uh, maybe looking to a guy like Puna Ford, heard they might be interested. Uh, Matt Ioannidis. that that sort of range, the four or five, six million dollar range for those kind of guys. Uh, Hassan Ridgeway, you know, four million dollar kind of range from San Francisco. The Giants want to add. You know, they're not looking to add a high end. Defense lineman. They're looking to add depth. Now, what they do at that position is going to be interesting. It sounds to me as if they want Leonard Williams to take a pay cut. And Joe Shane has said a couple times how, he, you know, jokingly how he thanked the media for, you know, having uh, Leonard Williams say, you know, he would be open to it. But history shows Leonard Williams has been open to maximizing his earning potential to the nth degree. Now, maybe now he just still wants to stay. Look, he spent his whole career in New Jersey, New York, Jets, then the Giants. Maybe he's motivated to stay. He's willing to take a pay cut. I don't think the Giants are looking to move any money to the future, looking to do any, you know, long-term extensions with him. It doesn't sound like that. So the other option, if they're not able to work something out and they need the money, is you then move off of Leonard Williams. That frees up twelve million in cap space. Then they could go sign, you know, two or three of these four, five million, four million dollar, you know, quality contributors on the defense lines. Now we would Leonard Williams is a good player, He's not a great player. So like, would you rather have Leonard Williams, who's a very good player, or two or three guys that are quality contributors? And that's I think that's a a question, at least a topic the Giants have broached. Right? They have at least discuss that. And they have to figure what's best for the organization. And as we move along here, I think we'll find out what's best. So Joe Shane would prefer to keep Leonard Williams. I 100% believe that. He talked about how defensive linemen in the draft haven't panned out very well in recent years. And that Leonard Williams is a good player. And he is. He's a very good player. He did get banged up this past year, so he's coming off an injury-plagued year. Didn't have injuries before that, so I don't know what how you kind of If you look at it, hey, he's getting older, the wear and tears, you know, having an effect on him, or you just say that was freakish. But clearly they would like to keep him. But I think there is a reasonable discussion to be had about whether it's because Leonard Williams' cap hit is $32 million. Okay? That's a monster cap hit. I mean monster. Now they'll have to eat a lot of dead money, but you can get multiple guys in place of Leonard Williams. That's a discussion I think you need to have, and I think they're going to have as they move along here. So that's where we're at on the defensive linemen. Oh, Dexter Lawrence, about him real quick. Dexter Lawrence is going to get paid, okay? The defensive line market, defensive tackle market, is about to explode. I mean, seriously explode. We're talking about one uh, 25 20 plus million dollar range could reach 25 million. Like, that's what this defensive line market's going to get to, you know, with guys like, uh, DeRon Payne eventually and, uh, Chris Jones when he renego- renegotiates. And, uh, there's, there's someone else that I'm, I'm not thinking of right now, but there's some big defensive linemen that are up. Oh, Jeffrey Simmons from, uh, Tennessee, who's a great player also, man. Just a great player. These guys, Are going to get paid that market's about to explode uh one more quick one on defense this isn't free agency but uh the giants if you think about it what do they have at cornerback a dory jackson's there right now has been you know has a long injury history was injured again last year uh gets paid a decent amount of money he's in the last year of his deal I best he has one more year with the Giants, and who knows what happens after that. What else do the Giants have a cornerback? Drafting a cornerback with their first round pick is entirely possible. It's near the it, it might be more likely than them drafting a wide receiver in the first round. Think about it. That is a huge need for this team going forward. Huge. And cornerbacks are expensive in free agency. You can get a wide receiver. In the second round pretty easily. There's been a lot of good wide receivers in the second round. So I would not discount cornerback as a first-round pick for the Giants in, in this draft. Pick number 25. All right, now let's get to the offense. Wide receiver. There isn't that big number one wide receiver out there. Jacoby Meyer is at the top of the list, almost every list, of the top wide receivers in free agency. All right, and really, what is Jacoby Meyer? Good player. think he could be good. He's going to get in that $15 million a year range, probably. And he's not a true number one. So for the Giants, that may not necessarily be the right move. I didn't hear much connecting then to to him. So what you hear is sort of that next group, like the Alan Lazard types. Okay, I think that's a possibility. But really here, we're talking about adding strength by numbers. Now, Joe Shane's going to look everywhere. He's going to look via trade. I'm not sure there's anything out there. Did not hear the Giants connected to DeAndre Hopkins, and you did hear some teams that possibly could trade for him. I do not think the Giants are going to be in on that. Again, he's 30, on the wrong side of it, still gets paid, uh, can be a handful at times, probably the not, not the right move for a team that's really trying to build that's like, that's, a, that's, a, again, that's a Bobby Wagner type a team that's trying to get over the top. Deandre Hopkins make that big, bold move for him. That's not the giants. And I didn't hear them connected to him. So I'd be surprised if they go that route, not stunned. I think it's still maybe has a slight possibility, but I don't think that's their number one option. Right? I think right now it's adding strength by numbers, adding in the draft, And free agency, all right? Odell Beckham is a name that they are definitely still keeping an eye on. I'm taping this on Friday. They're going to be at his workout, the workout that Odell's putting on for NFL teams. You know, it all depends on price with Beckham. Now, again, he's over 30. I think he is 30. He just turned 30, actually. He's 30. He's coming off two ACL injuries, has a history of injuries. But that's more like a stopgap short-term solution. You're not paying him DeAndre Hopkins money. So it's a little different situation. So I think they're going to keep that as a possibility as well. Now, here's something I heard. That the Giants are open to the idea of, look, we're adding, we need to add receivers, not just wide receivers, receivers, pass catchers. So how about the tight end position? Looking at the tight end position, a name I heard that they might be interested in is Irv Smith, former Vikings tight end second-round pick. Now, he's dealt with injuries, but he's young. You could see upside there, say, okay, you know, there's a guy we could do something with. There's a guy we can get the most out of. Use as sort of a move tight end, almost like a wide receiver. You know, do a lot of two tight ends. It's not saying we're getting rid of Daniel Bellinger. But Daniel Bellinger's not a natural, I win one-on-one type of guy. He's more of, you could scheme him up. He could play on the line. His blocking's pretty good. You add a, a pass catching option aside of aside him alongside him and I don't think that's a bad solution all right we helped improve our receiving core by adding a tight end there so I think that's a possibility as well and we're not talking about breaking the bank that's a relatively cheap move and if you think about it think about some of the best teams the best teams over the last decade the way to build these teams by the way is to have a dominant tight end receiver right? The Chiefs had Kelsey because they, and I'll tell you why in a second. The Chiefs had Kelsey. The Patriots had Gronkowski. The 49ers, they have Kittle. The Eagles, they had uh, Zach Ertz, and then Goddard. Like, if you're basically number one or number two receivers, your your tight end. It's a very economical way of building out your receiving core. So I like that idea. Load up at the tight end position. Sign Irv Smith. Get a tight end relatively early in this draft. It's supposed to be a pretty good tight end draft. Like you could add like a third-round tight end who could help on the receiving end. I like that idea a lot. Hope that one of these guys hits and becomes one of Daniel Jones' primary targets. Think about that. The price of a top receiver is $20-plus Easy. Right? It's over the $20 million mark at this point. The price of a top tight end is you know, I think in the $15, $18 million range. And that's only for the Kelseys of the world. There's very few tight ends that are over like 13, 12 or $13 million. So think about how we're talking about team construction, roster construction, how beneficial that could be. I view that as huge. All right, real quick, we'll go over uh, some of the Giants' internal free agents. My feeling of what I, what I walked away from the combine thinking was the Giants were going to monitor both the markets of Nick Gates and John Feliciano, with the hope of bringing one of them back, see which most economical and best deal for them, and then maybe add somebody at that position in the draft as well. Uh, in regards to Julian Love, I spoke to some teams out there that think Julian Love's a really good player and that they really like this tape and that they thought that the eight to $10 million range per year for Julian Love was possible. Now, he's sitting here a couple days away from the free agent market, so he's going to hit free agency, right? And I think Julian Love's going to get paid, and I don't think the Giants are necessarily willing to go that high for Julian Love. So even though he's a captain, was a huge special teams contributor on top of everything, played well this year, his was tackling was solid. He played terrible in the playoffs in, uh, against the Eagles. He had a terrible game, granted. I know that left a bad taste in people, some people's mouths, but he had a really good year. Julian Love has proven to be a quality starter in the NFL. So losing him would hurt. But at the same time, the 8 to 10 million dollar range the Giants were impressed with what they saw from Jason Jason Pinock last year. So I would not be surprised to see them let Julian Love walk. They had Pinnock. Dane Belton struggled as a rookie, but he was he was a draft pick that they look at and they may, they say okay, maybe there's a chance there. So I wouldn't be surprised if Julian Love ends up walking because there are definitely teams out there that think he's a quality starter. Uh, Jihad Ward, uh, veteran free agent, Wig Martindale, we know, loves that guy. I would expect him to be back probably kind of quickly here in free agency. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I would be surprised if he did not end up returning. Veteran, uh, a personality, just a guy – I think the Giants enjoyed having around. He's loud. He doesn't shut up, but he's the kind of guy that brings energy. And I think uh, they like that. Wink loves it, obviously. So I think there's a good chance he returns as well. As for offensive line, I know people talk about it all the time. My, my gut was that the Giants are only looking to add depth right there right now. Like They're not looking to shop at the top of the market at offensive line here this year in free agency. We'll see. You know, you only hear bits and pieces at the Combine. So these are the bits and pieces I'm able to provide you at this point. By Monday, who knows? There may be more. By Tuesday, we'll probably hear signings. So stay tuned. I'm going to get to your questions now, but stay tuned. Uh, I'll be around on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok, Facebook. You know where to find me.
0: On to the next one. For the portion of this podcast
1: where I answer all your deepest, darkest Giants questions and Giants after dark. All right, we're going to Instagram today, unloading the Instagram clip. Let's go. First question Greg Fitzmaurice says, Have a Giants after dark question. Outside of Galladay, who are the other top candidates to get cut? think they would move on from any of the younger guys that they didn't draft who haven't contributed. The problem is those guys, you do not, like like Shane Lemieux, you don't really get any money from that. Like So you're not really saving anything. So it's almost like, well, why don't we keep him? We we, we could take a shot at this guy, and it doesn't really cost us much because if you get rid of Shane Lemieux, you're replacing him with the guy for the same amount, so you're not really saving money. The only guys on the roster that are really there that can get cut to save money that I think are – Options, if they need the money, are going to be, like I mentioned before, Leonard Williams, and then Darnay Holmes, because he's played a lot. His salary is something, I guess, that has uh, jumped up a little bit. You could save some money by getting him. But I don't think those are um, day one, top of the market, You know, top of the free agent market. When it opens, we need to make these kind of moves. So, But those are options. I just, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're getting cut. Those are options. I am Brito, uh, Chris Brito says, maybe you can use it for Giants after dark. How come during tampering, tampering period it's so fast and easy to sign a player rather than before tampering DJ or Saquon for et cetera can't get agreed quick? Can't the agent GM talk every day if they want? Yeah, they can. The thing is, when there's no deadline beforehand, right, you don't. you're not in a rush to make a move. So you're not willing to concede, and you know as a negotiator you don't have to move quickly. Now in free agency, if you wait, right, if you're sitting there talking, going back and forth, the team can just go to another player and say, well, this is a better bargain. So you have – it just moves so quickly. You have to, otherwise you're going to be left out. And then in free agency, like if you're not signed in that initial wave, the big money is hard to get. It goes quickly. So – it's a lot harder to sit and be patient during the tampering period and right when free agency opens then the week before, which is what happened with Jones and Barkley. And you'll see, I think Saquon Barkley deal is going to happen rather quickly. I'm taping this on Friday morning, like because he now has the franchise tax sitting over his head. The Giants wanna get something done by Wednesday, because then they'll get it'll it'll create more money for them to spend and improve the team in free agency. So I think this deal does get done uh, relatively quickly. And they're not that far off from what I heard. They're they're kind of up in that $13 million range already. And I really, how much more is Saquon Barkley gonna get when he's sitting there and they can just say, you know, you're not gonna take our deal? Fine, play on $10.1 million dollars. What's what sounds better to you? Security and $13 million range? Or $10 million for one year. I mean, come on. So it's a no brainer that a deal is going to happen there at some point, in my opinion. Kevin McCaffrey, uh, C McCaffrey 9 says, please rank, wait wait, 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 where'd it go? Oh, here we go. Please rank the premium positions of need for the Giants. In other words, what should they do? with the 25th pick, CB wide receiver OLOLB and I kind of talked about that earlier. I thought cornerback is is right up there with wide receiver as the top two and then they're going I believe inside linebacker in free agency near the top of that market. So, yes, they still need to draft another inside linebacker, but not a first round inside linebacker. I think that's a position they can go to later. If you if Chris was the uh, Kevin was the GM, He'd go CB and wait for a wide receiver as team find gold in rounds two or three there. Yeah, so we're kind of in the same boat there because I do think you can get a lot of good wide receivers. Go look at the history of wide receivers of the last five, seven years in the second round. They're really good. I mean, you get some – there's some, like, big-time hits in those rounds, like all-pro-type hits. So I, I I agree. I think that it, that's a, a route that the Giants – could travel and very well might travel. John Fioto, question number three, says, if Jones gets tagged, can you see the Giants extending Leonard Williams to create more cap space for this offseason? And I kind of mentioned that before. I don't think the Giants really want to move a lot of money forward with Leonard Williams. Now, maybe they do. Maybe there's a, there's a solution that's best for them that says they do. But I, my gut just says that's not their preference. It really isn't. So we're going to see what happens with this Leonard Williams situation. It's going to be uh, interesting. Uh, John Whiteman says, and he asked a long question here, so I'm going to dumb it down to, do personal relationship between players play any role in contract negotiations? Specifically, you mentioned on a previous podcast that DJ Jones, Daniel Jones, and Barkley are close. Okay. Okay. Uh, Do players that are friendly with each other look out for each other's bank or is it every man for himself? Look, I know that Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley had conversations about their contracts and where they were at during that time, but everybody wants the other guy to get paid, right? You're looking out. Don't you want your friend, one of your close friends, like, yeah, go get paid. Absolutely. Go, go get it. Uh, So I don't think guys like to get in each other's bag, as I like to say, or count other people's money. But at the same time, they're paying close attention and they're finding out what's happening. Now, I don't think Saquon Barkley would ever want Daniel Jones to give up $10, $20 million so that they can sign him. I don't think that's the way any player would think. But at the same time, I think Saquon was watching very closely and, and staying in touch with Daniel Jones very closely because he wanted to see where that franchise tab would go and then how that would affect him. So I do think they're intertwined and they're talking, but at the same time, he's not expecting Daniel Jones to take less. And I don't think any player wants guys to really take less when they're going to hit their first, you know, free agent contract. Players want players to win and get paid, which is why it was the whole, the thing with Juju going after a guy like James Bradbury was so wrong Because players don't like when other players, you know, they're like a fraternity. They don't like when you go after other players and you embarrass them for something like that, a penalty that happened during a game, right? It's the same concept with contracts. Like players are looking out for the other players. They don't want, you never want to go after a guy for going after, you know, to trying to get a big contract. It's the same kind of thing. Uh, Carson Gill says, Jordan, do you think Dayball and Shane's approach to free agency will be to spend big? Or will it be a measured approach, building depth and finding complementary guys? It seems like he wants to build through the draft. And you're right. I do believe that he do want, does want to build through the draft. It doesn't mean there might not be one or two big spends. I think you could do both. I think they're not mutually exclusive. You can make a big signing, like I said, sign somebody at the top of the uh, inside linebacker group, sign a, a wide receiver that's kind of near the top group because there really isn't a, 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 a real high end, and then build through the draft and build depth. So I think they'll be active in free agency like we saw last year. One or two big moves every year, big free agent signings, and then complementary pieces, and then build through the draft. I think that's what Joe Shane and Brian Dable are trying to do here. Andrew Graff, Next question says, hope you're well. Thanks for all your work. Question for Giants after dark. What position group would you target in free agency? And I think the Giants are doing it right here because inside linebacker, man, is a position they absolutely have. They literally, they they re-signed Jared Davis, but that's not a real solution he spent most of last year on a practice squad. So, yeah, they needed an inside linebacker in free agency and the draft. So you take one in the draft, you're going to have to bring that guy along. It's probably going to be a mid-round pick. You need a high-end guy at inside linebacker. So to me, that is the position that they should be going to. And especially in part, like maybe I would – I probably would think differently if the wide receiver class was really strong. But it's not. It's weak. Like Jacoby Meyer, DJ Shark, Juju Smith-Schuster, who I don't think is really even a good fit for them, Alan Lazard. Paris Campbell, that's someone I could see them being interested in for sure. Uh, Mac Hollins, Marvin Jones. I mean, not the greatest group at all. So I could see why they wouldn't want to go in that direction. Uh, if you told me the Giants went tight end and got like a Dalton Schultz and wanted to play a lot of two, two tight ends or Mike Kosicki, I wouldn't be against that either. Hey, Jordan, appreciate all the work and information you give us fans. This is uh, Bobby Calloway, by the way. So I was wondering, do you think there's a possibility the Giants trade out of the first round, maybe early in second round, if the board doesn't fall, they, they like. That's always a possibility, but when you have 11 picks, I think it's more likely the opposite. You really don't need to make 11 picks. It's too much, especially when some of them are in, just, a lot of them are in the last, you know, three rounds. Uh, the likelihood is, is that you move up a few spots here or there, and yet, because adding 11 players, is hard to even keep all those 11 players. It's almost too many. So I think the more likely is that they move up. You could see that move up in, you know, a few four or five spots for a guy they really like. Maybe they, there is a wide receiver they think is better than everybody and is still there on the board at 18. And they're drafting 25. I think it's more likely the Giants move up than move back. Uh, Casey Rabideau says, congrats. You, you, who have been on the Jones train way before anybody could have thought this deal was even possible. Here's the five Giants after dark question. Finally, the Giants might have a young core. Who is most likely not going to be part of that in the in the long-term? Roster still has a ton of holes. And not sure all these guys are going to get market value. And he lists uh, Andrew Thomas. No way he leaves. Dexter Lawrence. No way he leaves. Xavier McKinney. Adoree Jackson. adding him because... Razor thin at cornerback. Well, you start with a Dory Jackson. First of all, if the giants really wanted to need to create money, a Dory Jackson is a guy that they could look to and either ask for a pay cut or just flat out cut. Uh, But then it would leave them so short at cornerback. So it's a tough one, but he does have a huge injury history. Um, He, the chance he's here long term does not seem very strong uh, for the variety of reasons that I just mentioned. So, I would say him and then Xavier McKinney is obviously second out of the young group. He's probably the highest because, hey, he just got a new agent and wants to get paid. You know, he's going to be looking to get paid top, top of the market. And I think there's also, he thinks he's probably at a level that he's not at yet. Like, he thinks he's uh, one of the top safeties in the league. I don't think he's played at that level. I don't think the Giants believe he's played at that level yet. And if you think about it, he kind of, he has a strike against him with what happened last year with the hand at the bye week, so that might be a tough negotiation for the Giants if there's somebody who they they end up moving on from. I could see it being Xavier McKinney. Also, uh, much that's a compared to left tackle and uh, interior defensive line these days. Safety is uh, the least of the premium positions there. Justin Bazzari says, "Hey Jordan, I heard you say on your podcast they might get a pass catching tight end." What do you think about them going after Mike Kosicki? Yeah, I think that's a market the Giants will definitely monitor. is interesting because obviously the Dolphins just didn't want to use him. They basically had him sitting there doing nothing this past year. And he's essentially a wide receiver at the tight end position, but a really good athlete and a guy that has a lot of talent. So he's going to get paid in free agency. He might get in the 10 million dollar range. Now, I think that ultimately could be too expensive for the Giants what they want to look they're looking to do there, but I do think they will monitor that market no doubt. Jersey guy, Hurdy he spends a lot of time in LBI. So, uh my kind of guy. I'm a big Mike Kosicki fan. He's actually funny. He's at least on social. Uh so he would be a good guy at, from a perspective of covering. So I do think I do think it's a possibility. I do not think it's uh A crazy thought. I think Irv Smith's a little more economical. Uh, Now, the injury history there, you have to take into account. Uh, But Mike Sicky is somebody I do expect the Giants to keep an eye on. Last one, Jamie Burdett says, Do you think or have you heard the Giants might target an offensive tackle in either free agency or the draft as a potential starter and move Evan Neal to guard if he doesn't take a step forward in 2023? Or is that more of a 2024 move? Yeah, I haven't heard anything. doesn't mean it's definitely not going to happen. So I do think it's probably more of a 2024 move. Let's get let's give Evan Neal at least a second year to see if he could start making that jump that Andrew Thomas made. I know Thomas kind of turned it around in the second half of that rookie year, uh, but the Giants also think that part of Evan Neal's struggles, part of them, was at least that he was banged up throughout the year. Okay? Part of it, was at least that he was banged up throughout the year. I believe it was an ankle at one point or foot and a shoulder at a different time. Uh, so there were things that he was kind of dealing with. And I think they believe he can improve greatly in year two. And I haven't heard about them going in the tackle market. There's some big right tackles out there, but that would be an expensive move. So maybe if the Giants strike out in a bunch of places. But I don't see how if you go inside linebacker, and you need to get at least a mid-range wide receiver that the Giants going then go shopping at the top of the right tackle market. Tyree Phillips, by the way, proved that he was a more than serviceable right tackle as a backup to Evan Neal or insurance policy to Evan Neal throughout this past season. So they're not in bad shape there. So I don't think they need to go spend there, and I did not hear anything about doing that. So I don't think it's the intended move. With that being said, that's the end of this Giants after dark. On to the next one.
0: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: All right, let's wrap up this episode with a quick Jordan on the beat, and then we'll get out of here. Jordan on the beat is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. And here I'm going to tell you a quick story about this OBJ workout that is happening Friday and how I broke that story and it came to fruition. Okay, so Dave Rothenberg, you know, from DPHO and Rothenberg. Mornings, 6 to 10, 98.7 ESPN Radio. My guys. Dave likes to text me about the Giants. So he's like, what's next? What's the next move? We're talking. He starts asking me about OBJ. Says, says something like, ah, oh, I hear he might actually sign soon. I'm like, okay. Hold on. Let me go check. Made a couple quick text calls. Next thing I know. I was Somebody mentioned to me, yeah, there's actually a workout tomorrow. There's not signing soon. I was like, workout? Okay. so reached out to a couple more people. Confirmed that. Found out some details. All right. There we go. Sent it to ESPN News Desk. Got a, told me to write a story. Quick story on it. Get a top headline. On the top headlines, one of the top ESPN stories. Obviously, it's a decent story. Odell Beckham working out for a bunch of NFL teams one of the teams happens to be the Giants I'm sure the Cowboys are probably there too probably the bills you know teams that, those are the teams that visited that brought him in for a visit when he went on that tour during the season but all that came because of an inquiry or a question or a statement from my boy Dave Rothenberg so I want to give him credit you know he he deserves he deserves some credit he basically, Help get that story. Help break that story. Dave Rothenberg. Newsbreaker. See? Guy can really do it all. Host a morning show. Hosted a weekend Saturday show forever. Right? Uh, sports savant. Stump Rothenberg. You cannot stump him. Dude is basically unstoppable in, in sports trivia. A true savant. And now... He could add semi-newsbreaker to his list of titles. Congrats, Dave. Appreciate your help on that one. And in return, I just text you Giants information all the time, so you're not getting anything else. But you proved your worth to me, see? Now I'm actually going to continue our text chain. Whereas at times in the past, I might have ignored you when I'm busy during free agency and stuff now i'll prioritize you so you know what dave helped me out he helped me get that story break that odell beckham's junior story about how he's holding a workout for nfl teams in arizona just days before the start of free agency so see you never know where these stories come from you never know you never know when you're, you're gonna find like just find the story land on a story who's gonna help you who's gonna be your source who's gonna push you in the right direction in this case That was Dave Rothenberg. Yep. All right. That's the end of this episode of Breaking Big Blue. Uh, As always, like, subscribe, tell your friends, and make sure to stay tuned on social media this week. I'll do my best to pop out, to rip out a podcast at some point next week, but it's a busy week. So it's going to be really tough. Uh, I can't guarantee the day. I can guarantee that I'll do it, but I can't guarantee what day. I'll have the time, and there'll be enough that actually already happened to do it. So probably be towards the the later part of the week, maybe Thursday or Friday. But send your questions on Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok, email. You know where to reach me. I'm Jordan Ronan. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. See you next time.